What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? This is your girl, Saina Wynn, and I may be your friend, I may be your foe, I don't know, but you have tuned in to Cosines and Tangents, and guess what? I have a special guest for you. I have my friend, Amber, and I am just excited to talk with her because I don't think we actually just like sat down and just talked one-on-one. Um, so I'm really interested in just hearing her story and just getting to know her even better. Um, I know we got a few things that we plan on talking about, but we're going to just kind of freestyle it and just see where our conversation takes us. So Amber, go ahead and introduce yourself, please, ma'am. <laughs> okay, cool. Hi, everybody. My name is Amber J. Adams. And yes, I love to do a multitude of things. So I'm super excited to talk to Saina today about pretty much anything. I'm an open book. Ask okay. me whatever you want. Okay, well, <laughs> tell me about just who you are, because I don't I don't actually know what you do for work. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this conversation with one of my friends who said okay. the same thing. So, yes, I will tell you about what I do. So, by day, I mm-hmm. am the senior director of editorial and content for a digital marketing um, agency. And basically, what I do is develop and create the strategy and creative direction for marketing campaigns for organizations and um, cool companies that are into progressive things and progressive ideals oh that sounds yeah. awesome okay yeah it's pretty fun okay yeah that sounds really cool okay I'm really excited okay um so how did you get into that line of work what did you what did you study in co- well just so y'all know we went to college together so yeah um but we actually didn't really like I don't think we didn't we started kind of by our our Groups came together when I met Allison. So yeah, there's so, definitely some people where it's like trying to remember how they popped up in our lives. But mm-hmm. it's been a long time now. But <laughs> right, I know because um, we've always hung out and we always had a good time. So we never had any issues. Yeah, right, no but, issues, no yeah. issues here. But yeah, in college I studied communications, so I was very involved with like the journalism program. At school, I wrote for the school newspaper. So, like, I was doing everything. Yes, the Echo. Shout out to the Echo. I know. um, Where I get my my start. Mm -hmm. And so, I ended up working in newspapers for a little bit. And then I moved into working in magazines. So, I moved to New York. So, I'm from Tennessee, of course, from Memphis. And then I moved to New York City. And I was working in publishing, working at um, women's magazines. And then I just kind of started making some shifts. So, I ended up working in education and then I worked for a film production company. Like, this company does um, documentaries about, like, black issues. And mm-hmm. then I took some time off to travel. And when I came back, I ended up landing this job. And that is where I am now. Okay. Because, well, you mentioned New York. How was that? Like, because in my head, even though I've been places, I'm, I'm still, like, a hard Tennessee person. <laughs> Mm. so what was like living in Tennessee where you did you go there by yourself did you have roommates what was that like I did go by myself so I moved to New York when I was 23 right before my 24th birthday and when I went up there I didn't know anyone except two people my ex-boyfriend and a friend who had actually worked on the echo with me like that was it and so I stayed with my friend who you know by that time he had become a friend Stayed with him for like a month and then kind of jumped into the process of like 
finding an apartment in New York and trying to build a life. I definitely had roommates when I was up there the first time. And it was really, it was amazing. Like, I really think that it built up my character Mm. in such a way that like the person I am today is because of that experience. It's because I took that chance and that opportunity to leave Tennessee and to go up and do something that was just totally different and something that, you know, no one in my family had really done. Like it wasn't like I had a blueprint for making this move. I just kind of decided to go for it. And like maybe in my mind, I felt inspired by like Sex in the City or something. But I like, <laughs> I know they we didn't have a well, we had a black version, but it was more like living single. But it was different. But Sex in yeah. the City was like the that young and sex, <laughs> yes, young and sex, sex and, and fashion, and vibrant in the fashion, yes. yeah, just all the parties. So like, I had this kind of view, I guess. Mm-hmm. of New York being this really fun place and it was it was extremely fun it was extremely challenging mm-hmm. but it was just amazing because I think when you're there there's just this feeling that anything could happen at any time right. kind of good or bad I guess but mostly good there's like mostly this sense of just possibility so that to be honest with you I've never really felt anywhere else I feel like that's one New York is one city where they actually describe it right in the movies where you just like <laughs> I don't know what the hell gonna happen like I can yeah. meet uh, a celebrity or I can get robbed it's somewhere yep. in <laughs> <laughs> this is very true that's so accurate like there have been times when I remember one time I was just walking on the street and like these girls made this face and I was like what's going on and they were like that's Katie Holmes and she was just literally out walking on like 8th Avenue and then I ended up running into her and seeing her again up in Harlem so it's like just random things could happen all the time I look and never get robbed like knock on wood but like (laughs) I was was gonna ask and say so were you robbed no (laughs) no no it's never robbed definitely met lots of celebrities but was never robbed. Like, actually, I think New York is a lot safer than people give it credit for. Like, well, it has I, this kind of view, but it's actually really okay. Yeah, because I've been there once, but I was actually a chaperone with mm. 52 high school students. Oh, gosh. And it was a blast, but those, those high school students were fast. Like, I they bet. were. And we had to put them in, like, these bright neon color shirts so that we could see them from space. And oh. they were not happy about it. But I'm like, I want to be able to see you guys from yeah wherever you kind of ruined to. their like new york fashion moment yeah except they loved um we they loved chinatown they oh. and, and we went to harlem <laughs> uh-huh. like oh my god each one of our girls came back with like a fake coach uh crossbody oh, yes. and, <laughs> and when i went i think um they were really into the hats but they called them what did they call them uh, those big hats, not trucker hats, but they were like, I need to get my lid. Maybe, I don't know. Oh, okay. It was, it was a t- term that they use, but in Tennessee, you know how folks, they be making up their own a little slur. Yes, a fitted. Thank you. Yeah, a fitted. Like, okay. like, hey, man, hey, man, I need to get my fitted. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I bet that was such an experience. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I really enjoy, like getting them to have those opportunities. But I mm-hmm. definitely want to go back as an adult without... 52 high schoolers but yeah but the one thing I thought was really interesting when it started raining like these I don't know I don't want to say mole <laughs> people, people just pop up they just pop yes yeah. I'm like what 
and then they yeah. disappear and you don't yep. know where they come from and they come out when it's a rainy day and they hustle and they're selling like five dollar umbrellas like it's yes. kind of the thing that if you're out and about and it starts to rain mm-hmm. you know you, they've got you like yeah. they're gonna pop out they're gonna sell these umbrellas you can buy like a five dollar umbrella it's not a big <laughs> deal like i never held i had so many umbrellas when i was up there <laughs> never held on to any i love that you call them mole people I didn't want to call them old people, but they were just like, they literally came out of nowhere. I don't even remember a face. I remember seeing black clothing and umbrella and give them money and then they disappeared like a thief in the night. It was amazing. I'm like, this city, like I had this weird sensory overload when it came to New York. Oh, yeah. People say that. And like for me now, it's just. I think I have sensory underload. If that's the thing, <laughs> like I'm, re- I'm actually about to go back. Like I'm ready to go. Oh, are you gonna move back, or are you just gonna go back for a visit? I'm gonna move back. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I know where I can visit. So. Yeah. <laughs> come, come through. Pull, pull up. Find a pull up. I'm just gonna pull up. Knock, knock. Hey, girl. What's up? <laughs> I got through. an umbrella from one of these random right? people. So yeah, as long as you bring your umbrella too, it's good. <laughs> I will most definitely because I already know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so like considering you want to move back what's what's the decision that made you want to move back to New York oh, that's a good question so I'll give you a little background I you know I took a year off to travel I decided that I was going to take a travel sabbatical in 2018 mm-hmm. because I had been wanting to travel independently and like have like you know, I didn't want to just go on the trip. I wanted to travel. Like, I wanted to be out there for, like, an extended period of time. And so I ended up spending about nine months outside of the country. Mm-hmm. And I went to, like, nine different countries. And it was just such a blast. And I loved it. But, like, I ended up, you know, in order to make that happen, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to leave New York. And it was really hard because it was, like, a decision. It took me like, really a couple of years to make. Mm-hmm. And now that I came back to the States, and I've been back in Tennessee and really living here for the first time since I was, you know, 23 and I'm 36. It was just really kind of different for me. Like, I've enjoyed spending time with my family and everything and kind of being, I guess, a little bit more domestic about some things because I've had more time to, like, cook and, <laughs> you know, read books and, you know, just do kind of calming tasks. Yeah, kind but, of slow down for a bit. Yeah, to slow down for a bit. But that's not me. It's Mm -hmm. just quite simply, it's not who I am. Like, I like to be on the go. I love to meet new people. I love to see new things. I, like, buy outfits now and think, oh, my God, this should be seen. (laughs) And I know where it should be seen. And I'm Uh like, I should be walking down, like, Fifth Avenue right now. Like, that's Uh, where I need to be. I do that, too. Like, I be be on a Shein or just, like, websites. Mm -hmm. I'm like... I feel like I need to change my style up, you know, and I'm in that phase, which I'm surprised, like as a 35 year old, yeah, 35, (laughs) after a while, I'm just going to stop counting. I'm older. So, right. But I think about that. I'm like, man, since I don't have any kids, I'm not in a relationship. I'm like, man, I should just be free as a goddamn gone bird. I'm so tired of like being uh, held into like, a, I feel like I'm in a holding pattern of mm. like, Oh, what is, what is success and what can I do? And just trying to survive and stay afloat and just not to cut you off, but I had like today I got into a trouble at work and I'm just like, Ooh. I'm done with this shit. yeah I think everybody lands in that place at some time and like it's funny you mentioned like the idea of like 
success and everything. So like when I'm not doing my, you know, day job, I have a platform, a website called the Fab Life Project. And like what I do is really kind of examining and writing about this space where women create lives on their own terms or like really like what does it take to build the courage to create your life Mm -hmm. on your own terms and to like really live it the way that you want to. And because I'm so into storytelling and like Mm -hmm. journalism and all that stuff, it kind of flows into it in this aspect of thinking through, well, how can you change the story about who you tell yourself that you are? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what does that mean to say, I want to reframe this or I want to revamp this and kind of how does it play out? Because I think especially a lot of women these days who you know, even women who are married and have kids, but women who aren't married and have kids, we're just at this different point in our life that's so interesting because, you know, if we look at like our mothers, our grandmothers and everything, they didn't have the kind of options and choices that we do now. Like right. our lives are wide open. It's completely open. Right. And and I think like with my mom, I'm thankful that she has never stifled my dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And I know this is I, I've been to see. I've been on TikTok, and there's always like, <laughs> oh God, TikTok is very addicting, and I know yeah, it. God. Yeah, it, it's anyway. So, I I had to call my mom. I, I watched a video about like black women. What is something that, like a trait from your mother that you wish you could change or something like that? And like some people responded to you know saying X Y Z, and I had to really like think. I was like, I'm thankful for my mom because she actually just kind of let me be a little free. Yeah. Especially even for someone who was in this from the south, mm-hmm. older because my my parents are older. My parent, uh, my mom was born in forty eight. So yeah, I was like expecting her to be just really like, no, you have to adhere to these things. And she was like, all right, long as it's not, um, like I want to get a piercing. And she mm-hmm. said, as long as you just put it through your nose like a bone. I was like, okay, mother, what? <laughs> but she's always been kind of open to just like. Well, yeah, all right. that's pretty cool. All right. And I think maybe that's why, because her options were so limited. Yeah. And she's, but she's not like trying to do the vicarious thing. She's just trying to let people be free. Right. So. And I think that's so important. Like the idea of letting people be free and not trying to be like, do the vicarious thing. And also not trying to force people to like live this version of your life that you didn't get to live where it's like, you're actually, you know, you have the space to really create things for yourself, which I think is like so important. But Mm -hmm. I think honestly, we live in this amazing time to me because Mm -hmm. there's just so many things that we can do. And there's not a lot that we honestly cannot do. Like you can, if you want to travel and you want to go off and do things by yourself, you can absolutely do that. It's within your power to do so. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And how can I figure out how to make it happen? Like we live in like the time of the internet. I Everything know. that you want to know about anything is there. It's wild. I've got, uh, uh, let me uh, put them down on here. 17, oh, you're fine. 25. Okay. So you said that. Because we live in a world of internet, and yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, I, I love it. The one thing I love about being an '80s baby is that we came from a time where we saw, like the 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 changing of technology a mm-hmm. little bit. Like we saw, I've seen rotary phones, I've seen house <laughs> phones, I've seen the cordless, um, the cordless, phones, phones. which we thought at that time was like 
yes. yes. And now you have people who don't even have a phone in their house. They just have a cell phone. And it's, that's it. Yeah, and that's and the thing. I'm one of them. I do not have a house phone. Me either. Right. But the one thing I, I do want to hit back on is mm-hmm. like when you were talking about the traveling, because I did watch, I was following your Instagram. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, come girl. Like, heart, 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 heart. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just because I think. I think around when you started traveling, I felt like there was an influx of seeing black travelers. Like, mm. just I, I don't remember. I don't remember black people traveling so much. Is if that makes sense? Like, yeah, it was always like a rarity in my head. And now I'm just seeing all the black folks, all the Negroes, just out here traveling, getting in the sun, jumping into caves. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of stuff. Right. But as a woman, like tell me just a little bit more about what it was like to travel solo because I want to do some travel some solo travel and I had some plans. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm actually going to stick to, but I want to hear from just you like what was it like just to be a solo black lady traveler? You know, I for me it was just extremely freeing to be honest. Mm. Like I have always loved to travel solo. Like even before I decided I was going to like travel, travel, like take a big trip. The first trip I went on by myself out of the country was like a small trip. I went to Canada, mm-hmm. but then I ended up going to the Philippines and like my uh-huh. friend was supposed to come with me and he ended up not going. And I was like, well, I'm still going to go. Mm-hmm. And like, I went to the Philippines, which I mean is almost as far as, as far as you can get. Like, Asia's really far away. <laughs> and I get over there and I'm staying at this hostel because I always like to like stay in hostels. Like I'm a little bit of an adventurous traveler, I guess. <laughs> and I looked and they had this big map on the wall. And I remember looking like, oh my God, I am so far from mm-hmm. home. Like this is wow. But it was such a thrill because after I did that, it just felt like I can do anything. I can do anything. If I can go this far. There's really no more, like, at that point, like, I'm only a hop, skip, and a jump from Australia. So Ooh, it's like, I know that close. Yeah. Like, once you're, you're just, you're just out there. I was like, I can go anywhere. I am so capable of doing anything. So for me, like, traveling solo has always been very freeing. It's been very, like, you know, I get to do things on my own terms and my own way. But I've always just made friends as I've traveled. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of the things I think that has been really important to me is that I've been able to, like, meet people and have friends literally all over the world, all over the world from different places in my different travels because I'm pretty good at keeping in touch with everybody. Yeah. Because I'm always like, well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just never know. Like, right. if, 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 when someone crosses my mind, I'm like, let me just reach out and say hey and see how they're doing. But it just really opened up my perspective, I think, because I'm not somebody who wants to, like, think of myself as having limitations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm a woman, so I can't do this. Or I'm a black woman, so I can't do this. Or, I'm a black person, blah, blah, blah. I never wanted to have any of those things. So for me, it was like, I'm going to go and do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think what really helped me, especially in planning, like when I did my extended trip, was seeing more people who were traveling and seeing more, you know, how people were using the, the technology and the social media and everything that we have today to really just kind of bring it up and put it into light that, you know, there are other people who are out there living their life in a way that is completely different than the Mm. way we've been taught to maneuver. And it's mind blowing to be honest. Like you can do whatever you want. You can go get a tiny house. If you want to, you can get a remote job and go work and be somewhere like in Portugal, like whatever you want to do, it's really available to you. And I say that even regardless, I would even say, 
not of income because obviously like traveling can be expensive but it doesn't have to be like there are ways like I've stayed places for free like Mm. I've just kind of been out there but it was really around finding like the resources to do what I really wanted to do right and Mm -hmm. the way I like the way you traveled because I don't want to be I don't want to be like always about race but you traveled like like I've seen white people travel or Uh, other people get out there and travel just like the the unencumbered by you know norms of you know yeah. or trying to trying to flex that's what I'm trying to say like you oh, weren't yeah, flexing no, I you were just flexing. yeah you were definitely <laughs> just out there for that experience yes. and that's what I like because like I want to I want to have both like I kind of want to go to the Seychelles not kind of I do I want to go to the Seychelles and be on a yacht or mm-hmm. but I also want to experience it like I am a local person and yeah be in that world because I know the one thing I've heard about people who travel a lot is just your mind is just so expanded because you're seeing the world out of the out of the gaze of America excuse me America exceptionalism and and just actually being like in the world as it truly is yeah Uh, yeah what what advice would you give like somebody who is just like really on the precipice and just like tiptoeing Besides, you know, just going out there, what is like some really practical advice that would you give someone who wants to go out and solo travel? Mm, I would say that you have to think about how you want to do it. So like you were saying, like, I definitely wasn't a flex traveler. Like I had a backpack. I was very (laughs) like minimalist with how I traveled, but it was very intentional in that I knew that that was kind of a lifestyle that could keep up fairly easily. It didn't require a much overhead. So for me, I would say, think about how you want to do it. Think about what you need in order to do it. So like when I was at the job I had before this one, I started just saving money aggressively. Like Mm. I would save like one whole paycheck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like (laughs) I was just living off of one of my checks. You know, you get two, usually two checks a month, bi-week or whatever. So I would just live off of one check. And then like the other check, I would put it in my account, my savings account as travel marked for travel money so I got really aggressive about that I got really aggressive about just not doing things that I didn't need to do because everything became really focused on this goal of I want to take this extended time off and I need to use all my resources for that so I was like maybe I'll just go to like happy hour and have one drink versus like being out all night so you know right (laughs) that's like my practical advice (laughs) right so it sounds like discipline budgeting it's discipline those... budgeting I think mm-hmm. it, was a pri- it was prioritizing it right. was saying that this experience that I am planning for myself is more important to me than what mm. I'm doing right now like right. that matters most and that's mm-hmm. when I'm going to put my mental and physical and monetary resources behind mm-hmm. well I did bring up Ray so what did you have any experiences because I know mm. I've seen different blogs that talk about being black and traveling mm-hmm. did you have any of those like negative I, experiences I didn't have anything like too crazy there was just like this one time where I was where was I I was in Porto in um in Portugal Mm-hmm. And I was on this tour with a bunch of people and like there was this girl in front of me. I think she was like German and she had her phone in her back pocket, which is just really dumb when you're like oh, yeah. <laughs> traveling around because someone can easily steal it out of your back pocket. And like I had gone to like I went to South Africa 
like at oh. the end of 2018 and my phone got stolen out of my purse and like Ooh. it was such kind of a shocking experience and like luckily knock on wood traveling wise like that's the worst thing that's like ever happened to me I hope it continues to be only the worst thing that's ever happened but like I wanted to warn her like hey you should move your phone and so I said something they're like hey you should move your phone someone might steal it and she goes like are you planning on taking it and I wanted to just smack the shit out of her. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, there was this other girl on the tour, and she was black, and she was just like, let it go. It's not worth it. But I was so irritated by that. And, like, that's the one thing I can point to that I was like, okay, that feel that didn't feel good. It felt very weird, and it felt, mm-hmm. you know, like felt a microaggression. Very, yep, you took the words right. I was like, that's a super microaggression. Yeah, like, it's a super microaggression. Like, it was just, like, so, it was just trifling. Like, it was so trifling on her behalf. Like, and I was, like, thinking of all these, like, mm-hmm. horrible things I could say to her. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let me not let her take me out of my integrity. But I was irritated by it. But other than that, I'll be honest, I didn't really have anything where I felt uncomfortable and like I was in situations where, you know, I could be the only black person there, but by then you get into so many different spaces. I might be the only American there because mm-hmm. a lot of people from the United States aren't necessarily traveling long term. Like there could be uh, so many different things. And I think when you're in like these travel communities, especially for me, because I always enjoy staying in a lot of hostels, you're around people who are there for that experience. Like they yeah. have, they're traveling with a different mindset than other people are anyway. So they're not necessarily like people who, you know, you're like, oh yeah, that person's racist. Cause like you can't go and like kind of stay in like a room and like bunk beds with like five other people unless <laughs> you kind of are just a little bit open-minded. Like you've got right. to be kinda like, okay, <laughs> This is, this is, you know, an adventure. We're going to see what happens. But it was just fun because I just really, I got to meet so many people from all around the world that just had so many different differences, mm-hmm. I would say. That <laughs> it just kind of, mm-hmm. different, yes, different mm-hmm. differences they all had. That it just really was able, like I, for the majority of time, I would say, honestly, I felt pretty comfortable and I know like people have different you know experiences and everything but I really didn't have any experiences that made me feel like oh like like, I yeah yeah. like I was good right I was really good you made me remember something because I've actually I've I've been out there in the world in the streets you guys I in the streets (laughs) actually my first time being out of the U.S. was I took a cruise Mm -hmm. and I was with the two other people and I went to Mexico I went to the Cayman Islands and Jamaica. Jamaica, yeah, and Jamaica was by far the best place ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one thing I noticed on the actual cruise ship, I noticed more weirdness towards people of color Mm. um, from the staff than anything. Oh, you know what? I am, and this is just a theory. So Mm -hmm. I guess I would say, don't quote me on it. Although I'm kind of quoting myself on it. Um, (laughs) It's just a theory. This is a opinion based podcast. Okay, okay, great. My opinion (laughs) on that is that a lot of time on cruise lines, you have people who are coming from other countries Mm -hmm. who may not have really seen black people before, or who haven't experienced black Americans who haven't experienced seeing black people in a position that is relatively more privileged. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can so see that. I think that. that could be like a part of it because you're in like this kind of controlled environment, you know, on the cruise. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people are coming from like the Philippines and like other places to like be the staff on the ship. So sometimes I think it might it might just be a little bit of a cultural shock for them yeah. would be my guess. I, I hope so. I, I gave it the benefit of the doubt. And I remember it was just it was one moment where there was like a group of black men and uh, their spouses and mm-hmm. they were waiting to get some spa services. But the women behind the table just didn't acknowledge them. Mm. And it was like blatant to me. Because I did, uh, we had like a lot of Filipino uh, waiters. But we mm-hmm. had like on the on the the boat when we had dinner, we had a specific group that served us. And we became like best friends. We gave them extra tips. And they were like, y'all are so nice. You know, most folks kind of just treat us as you know furniture but yeah and I was like oh no baby we are this is our first cruise so we're just excited to be here <laughs> right to be out there I've mm-hmm. never taken a cruise oh uh, I enjoyed it but right now because of COVID I'm scared yeah. because I'm like those are basically floating petri dishes yep and I also did uh like some research and saw that how terrible on the environment they are and I was like oh god oh Oh really? That's yes. so fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah, because they they basically they it's the the it's oh the they're filth. disturbing like the yeah the sea life yeah the sea life and then they do a lot of it's the gas and mm. a lot of the the stuff coming out of the ship and then you know it's a place where they hold a lot of people's people's stuff yeah. so it's like it's it can be really harmful and I was like dang it. I wish I saw this after my second cruise. <laughs> right. That's so, wow. I did not know that. I had a friend one time who worked on a cruise ship and like her room was apparently close to the morgue. And I was like, what, what? Like, there's a there's morgue? A, yeah, there was a morgue on the boat because I mean, somebody just dies. Yeah, like they have to like put them somewhere. But I was just like, wow. So, you know, there's all types of travel. That I know, right? And going on. Yeah, like you had me at more. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was. I was at me and my friends were at the bottom of the ship. So I don't. Who knows? But I think there was a, even a bottom to the bottom of the ship. Oh wow! <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'm just making it up. I was thinking more about Titanic and how yes. like did they have people shoveling coal in there? Right. <laughs> Keeping y'all, keeping the rudders going. Exactly. Yeah, no, but that's awesome. Like, one of the things I think is so important about the travel that I think is really important to me is this idea that it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, so many different ways to go. Like, I was just hanging out with one of my friends, and I told her that I'm challenging myself. I'm going to New York very soon on the, on the trip up there to get ready to move back. Oh, and okay. I was like, I'm going to fly on Spirit, which will be fun. But I decided that I was going to, because I mean, if you're signing up for that experience, like you just can't expect anything. Just bring your own snacks. Who cares? Like as long as you get there safely, it really doesn't matter. And I think it's like 70 bucks. Um, But I'm going to do the thing where like you just like take a personal like bag Mm -hmm. because I'm really into like minimalism and trying to see how just how light can I pack. Okay. Okay. And just like maybe there'd be a trial run for your next out out in the world <laughs> adventures. Like, well, you already do a backpack, but you like, how yeah. small can I go? <laughs> how small can I go? That's really what this will be. How small can I go for how long? But it's like a mix of like my friends like, you need to do a video about this. And I was like, I guess I do. And so I was like, no, there's like packing cubes and there's like all these things. And she's just like, Oh my goodness. 
I need to you know need more to, about this. Yeah. Right. You need to prior Marie Kondo and get it like folded just right. Exactly. It's all get, about the fold and the roll. Like it truly is all about the fold. Because I see they make miracles happen on these. Yes, <laughs> they do. Like I, lo- I love to see it. Like for me, it's just such a challenge of like how can how can you just really strip down and be mm-hmm. just kind of you and like when I traveled and I just had my backpack. I had maybe like two ty- two lipsticks with me, maybe three, like a nude, a red, and like a pink. Right. And that was it, you know, mm-hmm. a little eyeshadow. So like it just, to me, it just makes you so much more, I guess, open because you mm-hmm. don't have to make a lot of decisions. It was like, I'm kind of prepared for whatever comes my way, but this is what I've got. Whatever is in this bag is what I have. That's it. So I'm just going to have to like make do. And then you kind of like, I think, transform like your sense of self shifts. Because suddenly you don't rely on, like, your clothes to be fancy or, like, all of these things. It's just kind of about you and what you really bring to the space. And I really love that a lot. And the one thing I I focused on, I wrote it down, is just when you said freedom. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like that is, right now, is my mantra. I was like, I just want to be free. (laughs) Yeah. I want to break free. And, like, I've even thought about, like, van life. And oh, my God. Van life looks amazing. It does. I, I saw a black a black woman who's in who's doing the van life, and she just yeah. looked happy. Like, her face was literally glowing. And I was watching, reading the comments, and they were like, your face. You look so happy. <laughs> right? Just like, go, like, there's van life. And I know, mm-hmm. like, you and I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about, like, tiny homes yes, before. Love, yeah, because I love, I've, I've always wanted a tiny home. Or mm-hmm. a container home. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be stuck with a thousand year mortgage. I just. Oh my God. Because no. capitalism sucks. I yeah. think I think we need a new form. Like we either need to reevaluate capitalism if we're mm-hmm. going to keep it. But I'm like, capitalism is trash. It's, it's yeah. not working out. And I feel like the <laughs> pandemic told us that like, oh, yeah, capitalism is trash. <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not a win for most. This Mm-mm. is very true. Then right. there's just to me like what what's the I don't know. I guess the disruption in it is if people can detach their sense of self from items. Mm-hmm. That is really what sets it off and makes such a difference because when you don't need a lot, like I know people who have moved off and live in Mexico mm-hmm. or they went to Thailand and all these other places. And they don't like, you know, need, you don't need a ton of money because I mean, that's also really kind of part of the whole capitalism thing. The fact that we as United States citizens can go somewhere else and live like Kings in another country on what to us will be a minimal amount Mm -hmm. is a problematic within itself, but it is the situation though. Mm -hmm. And that's the, and I, I was uh, watching TikTok. See, I need, they need to go ahead and sponsor this as much as I talk about TikTok. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of I've seen a lot of people either uh, expats going to back to Africa, which I definitely I want to at least visit. I really want to go to Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been seeing a couple people going to Mexico. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I didn't know Mexico was a refuge for yes uh, brown people so. there is like a big like expat population like mm-hmm. Tulum, playa del carmen mm-hmm. like people are out there mexico city is huge it's actually it's larger than new york more populous uh-huh. than new york like it's a, a place to go and like for us as citizens i think we can stay like six months mm. on a visa and then uh-huh. like can re-up it pretty easily so it makes it relatively easy to go down there. And of course, you know, the U.S. dollar goes super far. 
Mm-hmm. I'm taking notes, so I hope everybody <laughs> who's listening is taking notes. <laughs> but uh, before we get off the travel, because I do want to talk to you because um, your position sounds awesome and exciting. So I want to talk about you um, just being a director in your role, Black woman, and just hearing some more about that. But mm-hmm. I got to ask this is basic question. What was your favorite place that you got a chance to travel or places? Mm. Like if you had a top, you've been there in nine countries, I went three. to I went to nine countries on this trip. In total, I think I've been to like twenty oh, in snap. my lifetime. I have okay. more to go, but it's been exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, I really am, on this last one. I really enjoyed Argentina. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed Poland because I kind of went to Poland <laughs> on a whim. I was okay. like, oh my god, I'm gonna go to Poland. I don't think there's any black people there, and there weren't. Like, anytime <laughs> I would see a black person, we would like smile and wave at each other. And just like, hey, you know, and we every you know everyone universally, we know that look that look like oh, thank God gonna acknowledge each other no matter where we are and what we're doing. That's just who we are and what we do. Right. And so I really enjoyed Poland a lot because it was kind of like this unexpected place for me to go. And mm-hmm. I knew like I would say I'm going here, I'm gonna get totally out of my comfort zone. And I loved it so much and I had a lot of fun. I would one hundred percent go back to Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, Portugal is a favorite of mine. I've been to Portugal twice. I'm ready to go that third time. <laughs> like I really <laughs> loved it. I loved Colombia. It was the first mm. place that I went um, on this trip, and then you know got to spend like a nice chunk of time in South America and really kind of start learning how to speak Spanish. And oh yeah, yeah, like at a very rudimentary level, but <laughs> hey, still well, I can I can hold get my you somewhere own, depending <laughs> on what the conversation's about. Yeah, I'm still very like I don't know what's below rudimentary, but I'm still very much hola, hola, como estás, muy bien. <laughs> Just go and like plant yourself somewhere. You will mm-hmm. be surprised because when I went, I could tell you like I like apples and ask where's the bathroom and like say hello <laughs> in my name, and that was the extent of it. And by the time I left, like I could I could talk to people, Ooh. and it was fun. Get just basically the the real yeah. thing is like getting out of your comfort zones mm-hmm. and being immersed in the culture. Yeah. Like the one thing I want to do is travel, but like I said, go be kind of like a local because I know when you talked about how we have this community as Black people, when we see one another, like even in America, like if I go to a predominantly white space, I'm always looking for at least just one, yeah, one, yep. just to find that comfort. You just and you just like, uh, and then you see, you lock eyes, you do the head up, and then you yep. keep going. <laughs> yep, it's just that moment of acknowledgement. It's just yep. like I see you, you see me, we're here, mm-hmm. and it's amazing like what being seen feels like. And yeah. I, and I had that conversation at my job that when during Black History Month, doing the Derek Chauvin, um, the George Floyd. The mm-hmm. how black people feel, especially in corporate America, that we can feel extremely seen but extremely unseen and invisible yeah. all at the same time. At the same time, it's exhausting. This it's exhausting, true. especially when things happen. And I don't know, a friend of mine talked about how black people feel this sense of community or a a community, a communal mourning mm. when we see one of us get killed in the streets or just like violence being placed upon us that a lot of people don't feel yeah and I was like yeah and that's 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 real like I when I see something so tragic 
like with George Floyd or Philando Castile, like my heart is broken. And I remember the time where I felt the most invisible was when I went to a, I went to a predominantly white church and it was the Mm. same day. Uh, It was like the weekend where I think Alton Brown and Philando Castile got killed Mm. in the same week. I think I could be getting it wrong. And I just, they just kept, and I was like, I was an usher. And mm-hmm. I just felt like completely invisible. Like I was on the verge of crying and just like, do y'all see me? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. You, you want to be about, you were about God and spirituality, spirituality, but literally one person is hurting or it was, I wasn't the only black person there, but like <laughs> the few is hurting right now. And, and you should be aware of that and you should be, able yeah, to like to say something or like say to, see, something. To, to see to see you and to to bear witness yeah to just, your pain right and, you know i'm not saying you could take it away but just know that we hurt you know yeah exactly. um but yeah i don't know how, how i got on this subject but anyway <laughs> but that's kind of a segue to like you being in your position so can you tell me just like t- talk about a little bit of how you like mm-hmm. walked up not walk but traverse the ladder into your your current position yeah like I am my job so my boss that I have now I worked for him before when I was in the city and the job I had before the one where I worked at the media company I worked for this charter this advocacy um, organization that really focused on charter schools and so he was my boss I ended up moving to a different team so he wasn't my boss he's actually been my boss way longer now than he was then mm-hmm. but we always kept in touch because I try to make it a point to like keep in touch especially when it's people that you know I enjoy mm-hmm. and so we kept in touch mm-hmm. and like after I didn't work there anymore I would like see him on occasion and like I knew he liked to travel as well So when I started, before I traveled and left New York, I met up with him and he was like, you know, I'm just so excited for you and like keep in touch and everything. I was like, okay. And so when I ended up coming back to the U.S., I hadn't been here maybe a couple of weeks and he reached out and was like, hey, I'm working at, because I work at a startup, which, you know, is a Mm -hmm. company that you start we started up, but um, <laughs> toot it up or start. To- we, no, um, I mix them both. Really, we, we toot it up and we started up. But right. he was working at the startup, and he said, "Hey, I think you know we have this role. We need somebody to come on and do this and do these things." And I kind of like hesitated because at first, like we did a lot of political work, and we still do like stuff with like different political campaigns and everything. And I never considered myself to be Little Miss Political, but I said, "You know what?" It sounds like it could be an interesting opportunity. I spoke with the CEO of the company and I liked him and I thought that, you know, he was really interesting to talk to and very open and seemed like, you know, he kind of like sold the concept to me, I would say. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll come on. And I was like, maybe employee like four or five, like super early days. Like we maybe had like two or three clients, like, and now to just see how we have grown mm. is super duper fascinating and really have for me to have had an opportunity to really just shape my role and to kind of step into doing this work that, you know, I would say like everything that I've done so far has kind of put me in position to have been able to learn so many things and to kind of use and lean on the different things that I know. Mm-hmm. But this was just totally different for me and that like we're talking to these clients and selling these concepts and you know, doing all this stuff that was kind of different. Like I always worked very internally on things, but I do a lot of external facing Mm -hmm. work now. Or like people facing. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
all day every day yeah okay well I know you kind of hit on just when you were just in the interview process and one of the reasons why we were able to kind of like um get this conversation started I know you mentioned something uh, because I hit up I hit up our girl group and just talking about um I needed some advice on how to negotiate my salary because I've Mm -hmm. never done that and I had a friend who's also in HR and she was telling telling me how many people especially women I'm not sure if it's just black women or people of color but how much women really don't negotiate their salary unlike men who go in there like no bro you know I'm just a vision but they (laughs) go in there with their feet on the desk no bro I want to get a million dollars yeah yeah Uh, so is that something that you you did when you got to that that startup or is oh yeah I definitely (laughs) negotiated my my salary because at this point like I had been reading um you know a lot and I think like over the years I kind of really built up that confidence like Mm -hmm. I remember the first um big salary well I like remember going in and asking for money more money in one job and they had kind of already decided they were going to give me more money so it's like okay here's another ten thousand dollars I was like okay cool and then like from there it was like this motion of using the job that you have to really leverage to get to the next spot. Because when I started out in journalism and in magazines, the saying was kind of, you have to go to grow, Mm -hmm. meaning that if you were just at your one company, you weren't really going to be growing a ton. Like you would grow, but it would be so incremental. It wasn't going to be anything major. And if you're at one company, they're not just going to give you giant raises for no reason. Like mm-hmm. to be doing the same job you've always been doing doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you go and you leave and you go somewhere else, the goal is always to say, okay, well, I need to be making more money at this, this place. Like I remember the job that I, I had a job at the charter school and I left and went to the job where I had met my now boss. And that netted me like another, I think, $13,000 oh, wow. a year. Mm. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, okay, you know, you can try to see what they You always want them to give you a number first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's the ideal situation. And then you kind of go from there. But, like, what I was telling you the other day was mm-hmm. that when you kind of neutralize the discussion and really take yourself out of it, it becomes... It's not about you. Because I think that's what trips a lot of women up and people is it becomes about, like this assignment of a number to your personal worth. And that's Mm. not true. It has absolutely nothing to do with your personal worth. I don't even like people saying, oh, charge what you're worth because you're invaluable. There's Mm. no number. There's no monetary amount that could ever amount to who you are as a person. However, with the value of what you bring to the table in terms of your skills, in terms of your experience, in terms of just what you bring that will make this role really work for you and for the company now that you can tie a number two right you know right girl i did that i was i'm proud of you, <laughs> I'm proud of you too because <laughs> at first because uh, they, they offered um well i'm not gonna say the company but they offered 19 and it's a it's a company that i worked with one similar mm-hmm. and there is a customer service i was like well i've been in customer service for years i know how to talk to people like I'm great at it. And yeah. and that was like the first time like I felt like extremely confident in my abilities. And uh, and I was like, well, but I was still nervous because I'm like, I want to get out of my current job. So please save me. So I had to balance, <laughs> I had yeah. to balance that feeling of desperation. But right versus like um also I'm a valuable person so and then when I offered when I was like well can you do 20 and they were like 
hmm, okay, let me get back to you. I was like, oh my God, what if they rescind the offer? And then she called me back like 10 minutes later. She's like, oh yeah, we got that. I was like, oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and so now I'm like, I was like, God did it. Yay. Yay. But, uh, but I like what you said about just the, you don't like the fact that some people talk about their personal worth because they are, they are priceless. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? I've never thought about that in the terms of working is mm-hmm. I hope it kind of feels sad, but it's like, it's true because we place so much identity and um, who we are in our jobs. Yeah. And so we feel like those two go hand in hand. Cause I know like I actually experienced being fired once and mm-hmm. I was like devastated. Because, yeah. I've been fired before. It was not yeah. fun. Right, your your identity feels completely gone. You're like, who am I? Yeah, like it was such a weird situation because I mm-hmm. hated the job that I was at. Right, it was not for me the role that I was in. I did not like the people that I was working with. But it was still kind of shocking when it happened, though. Mm. Like it was yeah. just so weird. And that, now I look back and like I regret how much time it kind of took me to get over it because now as like you know an older person somebody who's been working more years you recognize that, that kind of thing happens all the time yeah. people are always getting fired they're always getting hired something's always happening and you just have to keep it moving and move on because especially now like in my role like I hire people mm. now so mm-hmm. I'm able to be kind of on this other side of things, like really looking and evaluating and kind of seeing that, you know, it's interesting in that when you apply for something at a company, you don't know really what's going on on the inside of that company. Like you can take some guesses and you can try to look and see what do they need that you can like really feel the need. But it's like hard to know what's going on internally and what they need. And mm-hmm. also, I think for me, when I'm looking at people who apply even if their background might be a little, you know, not like totally in line with what I think it should be or what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious. Like I was talking to one of my friends the other day because she's transitioning from having worked at like a grocery store, um, Mm -hmm. being a manager there to doing something else. And I say, you know, I think you're capable of doing so many things. Just don't, you know, don't sell yourself short, which really comes back to like my concept and my passion for really helping people to change the story that they tell themselves about who they are. Mm, that controlling the like, narrative. Yeah, controlling mm-hmm. your own personal narrative. It's like, I call it like personal, personal branding. It's like, <laughs> you know, who that, that at the core, like you can't go out and sell yourself as this other, you know, brand entity before really doing that work on like how you talk to you. And how right. you see you and what do you say about yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's really a lot of has, has to do with confidence. And yeah, that's the one thing I know, like, because when I interviewed for this position, I was kind of like, no, I'm not going to take it because I, I'm still, I was still in this mindset of safety. Mm. And then once I interviewed with them, I was like, man, I kind of like this. It seems really exciting. Like I'm so, because the position that I'm currently in is very data entry and I am mm. a whole extrovert. Like, yeah, like you're just like, <laughs> such a bright effervescent person like that entry I wouldn't see that being you I feel like I could see you talking to people and what I think is so interesting is like and girl you know call me when you're ready to think about what your next role might be mm-hmm. where it's like you're going from customer service to like customer success and like those those roles are only a hop skip and a jump away from things that are more you know kind of with the business and business development stuff where you are using those skills to like talk mm-hmm. to people like there's just so many different ways that you can really go with that all right well I have to I'm gonna call this part the segment of ask Amber so what are the, 
<laughs> so what would be like some of as a hiring manager so what would be some advice that you would give some um a anybody just you know man woman or non-binary person um just uh, about how to do their personal personal branding yeah oh that's a good question I would say really think about what is the story that you want to tell about who you are and when you're looking at it in connection with the job and looking at the job description thinking about what in your life can connect to what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go and so you know if I give an example I don't know like you said that you worked for customer service I want to say like did you say trucking am I making this up yeah, yeah, I worked in trucking. So we say you worked in transportation previously, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And say, like, maybe you're looking at doing a role in something that's totally different, but it's like really looking at like your transferable skills, the core mm-hmm. of what that story is about what you've done and seeing how it can translate in this other way. Because here's the thing like, if I just glance at your resume and I'm like, oh, you look like you did something totally different then it was easy for me to say, and eh, not next applicant. But mm-hmm. when you paint that story for me, like via a cover letter, like even though I'm a like, you know, traditionally and trained and like professionally a writer, mm-hmm. I don't like writing cover letters either. It oh, blows. But it's it. just, I know. <laughs> it's such an opportunity to be able to really paint the picture for somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Because I think for me, like I've worked long enough and had, all these different types of experiences that I want to look at people's applications and give them a chance. I want to look, you know, beyond just words on a resume. I want to see what that person's story is because I'm not that far away from remembering when I wanted someone to extend that type of opportunity to me. Right. Right. I love that. Cause that's, that's one of my mottos though, creating your narrative. But I like, I, I know how to create a narrative when I'm working because Working has always been something I've, I've been good at, like, because mm-hmm. that's like my dad was a worker, my brothers, my mom. And so working has been always easy because in my head, I'm like, that is how I'm creating my narrative. But now that I've been in corporate America, there's a difference between a way a lot of uh, black and I, I don't know if it's just just black people, but I'm just speaking as a black person. <laughs> Because I don't like to leave anybody out, you know. I'm like, oh, I don't discriminate, but I'm black, and I can really only speak from that that perspective. Mm-hmm. But I know that for me, I feel like we were trained to kind of keep our heads down and let our work ethic speak for itself. But I've seen my, you know, non POC colleagues; they know how to just talk that narrative as they work yeah you know and just yeah 100 right and it just it drives me crazy but I'm just like man I I I guess I have to be like that and I hate the thought of assimilating to that but if you do want to get up in and break through ceilings and doors and walls you have to learn how to adapt to how corporate yeah like no one can just be at work and keep their head down that does not work that's literally going to get you absolutely nowhere And it just Mm -hmm. is what it is. Like, it's not going to get you (laughs) anywhere because in any work situation, you need people who are, you know, kind of your sponsors, the people who speak on your behalf when you're not in the room and say good things about you. You Mm -hmm. need mentors. You need people to be able to look at you and see the direct value that you bring to, you know, the business, the situation. People need to be able to see that you can communicate. Mm-hmm. with other people that you can work collaboratively. So yeah, just keeping your head down. I think in some positions, maybe that 
can work. But if you're in corporate America with the idea being that you want to advance, that you want to have a particular career track, you have to be out talking to people and making connections and building relationships because that's what's going like your your network, like the job. I wouldn't have the job that I have now mm-hmm. if I had not reached out to my network years ago with an email saying, hey, everybody, I'm interested in doing something different. And I just want to know, what do you all know? Mm-hmm. What's something that I should know about? Reached out to a friend and said, oh, I see you're doing event planning. Let's catch up. Let's have a call because I want to learn more about what you do. Right. You know, and she ended up passing my resume on to her friend who worked at that company. I started working for my boss then, and that has gotten me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah, because I know the networking I can say with the position that I have now, they actually, because one thing I do respect about them is that when they, when uh, the basically the, the racial reckoning happened, they were like, oh, we have to do something. They weren't just like the lip service. Mm-hmm. And we had these different groups that I was a part of. They were called like a kind of like a race and ethnicity. And mm-hmm. they had this whole, held a whole meeting with like our higher ups, like our vice president and and just regular people. And it's mostly black people and people of color. Give them what's really going on. And their faces when we told them like um, how we were like, because I feel like it's not, I honestly want to give the, the higher the higher ups the benefit of the doubt. I place mm-hmm. some blame or some responsibility on the middle management because I noticed that the middle management always looks the same. They are always mm-hmm. either white and female and just a sprinkle of, you know, males or maybe two black people every time. Yeah. And so I, I remember writing into the the little meeting and I'm like, if we don't see ourselves represented, represented then we don't believe there's a possibility or a place for us. Because the one thing about Black people and people of color, we are aware that racism is real. Yeah, But white people have a luxury to disregard it and not see it. And they can, some people can go their whole lives and not know how to not be around a person of color. But growing up for us, we are socialized to know what is what we have to do yeah, to survive we have to in watch white spaces. Because it's like National Geographic, right? <laughs> like it's literally like I never thought they about it, but yes. hunt us. <laughs> yes. And you know, if you're on the African plains mm-hmm. and you're like, I see the predator, <laughs> yeah. you have to know how, okay, what do I need to do to not get eaten? I don't want to get murked out here. You know? Right. So it's right. very much that. Like, And that's unfortunate for us because it takes up so much energy it really does like for us to because we we play we are we have a duality we play in black spaces we play in white spaces and anything else in between and we always keep our heads on the swivel you know going going back to always always know what's going on around me at all times all times i know who's around me i know what they (laughs) look like i can describe them if i need to the exits like the exits where (laughs) they are all located this is very very true and Mm -hmm. so it's natural to have that kind of you know response when you're in these corporate spaces or want to have the response and want to just kind of do what you do and believe that mm-hmm. you being there every day and like the merit of that will be enough but it's right. just not it's, it's not just, it's not the case it's not nope. yep and those are a lot of lessons that I've learned because I feel like I've been in real corporate America since 2000 and 
11 maybe mm-hmm. and just learning and just ugh, it's just it is a whoo they think thug life corp life i just <laughs> don't know i'm done <laughs> like yeah, court yeah, life yeah. right <laughs> yeah that's what yeah. said yeah. oh my gosh yeah cool well, a hootie who call i don't know what the right? hootie who call of corporate life Real is, life is. <laughs> no but. the hootie who call of corporate life is per your last email that's the hootie who yes like per my last email per my last email or the, oh my just see my favorite is see below period right <laughs> Yes, like don't make me repeat this. Like I'm not exactly. gonna do it. Let's like, not do that, you know. But I'm lucky now, like where I am. Honestly, I respect all the people that I work with. I enjoy oh, them. Yeah. There's nobody I'm looking at crazy, like oh, you know, I don't really like her or whatever. Like it is very. I think that we have done a good job in cultivating the type of environment that uh, people want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to just kind of just. Cause we're getting close to an hour and I could talk all day. Cause we're both, <laughs> we clear both whole extroverts. And I feel like we yeah. have this whole conversation going on for hours and days and I'm down, but <laughs> we got lives to live. But I want to know, like, so you're thinking about moving back. Well, you're moving back to New York. Yes. I'm, I'm assuming. So. Yes, girl. I'm surrounded by boxes. right? <laughs> oh, now. okay. All right. I love your apartment, by the way. I'm saying to you. I was like, I love this. I was like, this is like so cute. I love it. It feels like you yeah, and colorful. I'll- I know I'll miss it but I'm yeah. excited well we'll see what well I'm excited I'm manifesting mm-hmm. great a great space because I would love to be able to you know mm-hmm. host people and have dinner parties and like yes. have my little library set up like sunshine and some plants like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into the vibes right in my, in my head because I just moved into a new apartment I'm like I want it when I was getting ready to move, I said, I just wanted to be colorful mm-hmm. and beautiful in mine. And so I'm still working on getting like this, the image that I have yeah. in my head. And you, you mentioned something about manif- manifestation and um, mm-hmm. might get on another subject real quick. So, <laughs> cause that's what I've been working on a lot. And I think I'm, I'm really work. I've been doing that like with yeah. the podcast and my new job and relationships so can I ask you where are you with like spirituality and oh that's a great question that I'm Mm -hmm. happy to answer so I'm definitely more into like manifestation and like thinking of the universe in this broader way like Mm -hmm. I did not grow up kind of like your typical black person going Mm -hmm. to church all the time I actually grew up catholic which oh. for a black person in the South is kind of weird. You're the um, second black Catholic I've ever met yeah, in my like the 35 other years. Like, oh, guess she. Like, we're literally like... Third thing. Okay, I forgot third. that she's Catholic. Yeah, so guess she's Catholic, too. Shout out <laughs> to Ogeshi. Um, so, Love you, girl. <laughs> right? Peace be with you, homegirl. But <laughs> I grew up um, Catholic, and, like, now where I am, I'm not a believer, so I do not okay. call myself a Christian or anything like that. I'm just more into, like, good vibes and like treating people the way that you want to treat them enjoying people enjoying nature thinking of the universe and like the subconscious mind because manifestation to Mm. me is like you know when people say the words prayer right I Mm think I think I still say sometimes oh you know maybe to myself I want to pray about it because you know you've just been kind of indoctrinated with certain words but I really mean that I want to manifest this I want to sit and like really meditate on it and just kind of think of this in a way of like pushing my energy in Mm -hmm. this direction but I'm not like I don't think that an omnipotent being is on the other end of that for me it's more like 
kind of putting that energy in the space so that things can align because they do. Like I've mm-hmm. definitely seen that, you know, happen before. So yeah, that's, okay. that's where I am. That's, that's And I feel like that's like a, I'm seeing a, again, TikTok. <laughs> what's up? I've been <laughs> seeing a lot more like black spiritual people um, yeah. coming up and that's just might be because Tennessee Bible Belt, yeah. that I'm not seeing that but I've also been doing a lot more spirituality I do believe in like a higher power mm-hmm. but I'm also like also the manifestation and just being more in the communication and just grounding and just trying to be like spiritual because yeah. honest, honestly organized religion has just been failing me oh, yeah, like- it's just yeah, man, man, that's a whole other thing. Like we could do a whole podcast, right? Oh we're my, probably, we're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to probably hit that back. I feel like that's gonna be like, yeah. I'm not controversial, but it's gonna be different because I'm not used to hearing black people talk you about say it. that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like that. I'm a non-believer. Yeah, that I don't believe. Like, and it's it's gotten to a, like now. Like, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, that's a very specific thing, like, just kind of a very vibe. But right. I do identify as, like, a non-believer, as an agnostic person. Right. Like, and I enjoy having kind of intellectual conversations about it. Like, I like to, because I feel like for so long, religious people and, like, Christians are always kind of, like, talking to you about God. And mm-hmm. it's like, I want to return that same energy and talk to you about why I don't believe. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, and the, I, like, I haven't had that many conversations. You're probably the second Black female mm-hmm. agnostic um, person that I've met and I was younger then so I didn't know how to have those conversations but now that I've been on like I've been look, reading up on like African religion yeah um just like the Orishas the Oshuns and mm-hmm. just Yoruba face and just like just trying to be connected with the ancestors or yeah. something because I'm like like I love God I love I believe in Jesus but I'm like yeah y'all the these white men that made it they they just mm-mm, I ain't like it. I don't like it how they feel to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. the harder part. I've been doing it. Do you do crystals? Do you meditate? Um, I try to meditate. I feel like I'm so fidgety that like <laughs> it goes awry. But I do try to like wake up in the morning and spend some time just in deep thought mm-hmm. and kind of in a, a meditation. I don't have any crystals. I have friends who have crystals. I have friends who have like crystals in their bra, like literally right now. But I, like I do, I do. I've, I've seen multiple friends with crystals <laughs> in their bra. But um, and I, I need to. I feel like I need to like read about like why it's like a bra thing. I don't know, but. It's supposed to be like the connection. It's a grounding tool because, like, oh, okay. when you when people are like, "Oh, you need a ground," some people say mm-hmm. go outside and like stand yes, in and the like dirt. put your feet. Like I heard mm-hmm. that you're supposed to like put your feet in like the grass and in the dirt every day. Like that's yeah. it's good. It's good for your body to do that. And I'm definitely like I am woo woo in that way. Like yes, <laughs> I I'm I'm into all of like being just kind of connected and spiritual and like let's do some incense and burn some candles and just be yeah. peaceful. I just want, I want peace, peace and yes. harmony. Yes, and Peace that's... and harmony and blessings. And when I say mm-hmm. blessings, I don't mean them dropping from above from like, <laughs> you know, like I'm just... not into that. But I mean, I think people are blessings to each other. I think people mm-hmm. are can be heaven and paradise to one another. And I think yeah. that people can be hell to each other too. Like I think it's all here. Mm-hmm. And within, we don't need these other external forces kind of driving anything because we are the, I, we're the force. And right. I think that the universe to me is just kind of like the source of that energy and that power. But I do think, you know, there's yeah. just so many ways and things to learn. I could never 
limiting myself to only one situation. Mm-hmm. Can I, do you think maybe, do you think the aspect of you kind of growing out into a, a non-believer has to do with like traveling and just being more exposed to the world? Um, I would say, you know, I think it had to do more with me being exposed, like reading a lot as a child, because mm-hmm. I started having doubts and questions when I was like 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was really early on that I remember like saying, <laughs> I, there's something about this that doesn't quite sound right. to mm-hmm. me. And then the older I got, the more I just became really reinforced in that but you know I was still like I went to church I guess for the last time of my own volition probably what <laughs> 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago at this point it's been a long time oh, I wow. went to like a Quaker service before just out of curiosity because I was mm-hmm. like oh, let me see what the Quaker people do you know like I'm more <laughs> just like curious about right. things like I don't think things have to happen any one way but it's like being a black southerner like I understand so how different. church becomes just the nucleus of mm-hmm. communities, especially if you're somebody who grew up in like small towns and like families, like you know, it's just another kind of outlet for everything, and everything just runs through it. So it's like I understand why people kind of cling to it as a source, but mm-hmm. I do wish, especially as Black people, we could have more conversations about just some of the more kind of unsavory intellectual side things right. about it. Because the the what issues that I have is mm-hmm. just. It's it's what I've started kind of having issues with is just like slavery mm. and religion. Christianity was used to justify it. Yeah, and so I I find it hard to be like I believe in the God portion, like because I feel like people ruin God and mm-hmm. they ruin the religion. But it's just like it's hard to believe in the white man's version of Jesus because I'm like y'all use that to rape pillage and murder a lot of people and yeah. so that's the part I found the hardest as I've gotten older and mm-hmm. seeking out comfort in religion but girl we could talk about this as much as yeah long. we might have to say this for the next time we yeah you know, have we it. should like, have like a whole like I don't know a panel or something like that like I want to start doing getting more because I used to love doing like a lot of Facebook lives and everything mm-hmm. and I want to do get back into it and host like I would love to do a panel of like millennials and like actually talking about like different people with different positions on religion, because I think it is really fascinating. And like, Mm -hmm. even just within our friend group, like, you know, you have some people who are like really religious and then people Mm -hmm. fall kind of more spiritual. You're running around with crystals in your bra. And I'm like, (laughs) like, (laughs) I, you know, I only go to church for like funerals and weddings. Like that's Mm -hmm. it. Like, yeah. So and everybody just, has a thing. Right. And then still having a life that's worth living, you know, oh, yeah. and 100%. and enjoying and being a great person, because that's one thing I've never been like the because I grew up actually well, Muslim, Christian, kind of oh, like a yeah. weird hybrid. Not weird, but a hybrid. Um, but mm-hmm. also I called us lazy because we barely went to church. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and we barely went to the mass yet. So we just like we're we we followed the traditions, but we didn't like necessarily just tough it out. So I never yeah. had like a that that weird 
uh, fight with faith. You know, I was just like, you know, I feel drawn to this, so I'm going to follow this. I'm going to read about this. I'm going to, you know, go on this path. And now I'm just finding myself, like, I have tarot cards. I'm just, like, looking. Yeah, they're so fun. I just, like, I just enjoy just just learning about something new. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are into, I guess, dare we say, a little witchy, basically, with, like, the crystals and tarot cards and Mm -hmm. just all kinds of things. I think it's, like, beautiful. I mean, you know, our Imana, when we did just did our trip not too long ago, came with like a sound bowl, and that oh, was like the most awesome thing. I was like, love I love. We kept saying we were like, we love hippie Yamana. She's yes. so awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to hit up next. Like, girl, let's talk. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, tell her to do the the the. If you haven't seen her doing the the singing bowl, the sound bowl is like really fascinating. Oh, cause yeah, I love that. I want to go to a. I want to get a sound bath one day. Oh. Just, yeah. yeah. Cause just be surrounded, just like. Mm. <laughs> yeah no that would be really dope so like I'm into like all those fun types of things I just I feel like why restrict yourself like there's so much out there and so I guess that's there. really the piece of that travel does come into it mm-hmm. it's just such a big world there's so many people there's so many things that it feels just really sad to just restrict yourself to any one particular way of being like I think you can mm-hmm. ground yourself in something but I think it's good to just stay open Right. So whatever right. comes your way, right. see what happens. Right. Well, I love that, and I love you, girl. And I love I, you too. Right. And I think I think we're getting closer in, but I, I kind of want to do you. Okay. So you remember the movie? Uh, what was it? Brown Sugar. I do. And, I'm not a big movie person, but I actually have seen that. <laughs> okay. Girl. See, you still your 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 black card has never is not going to be revoked by why? Not not right. Not at this exact moment. <laughs> no, if we get moment. deeper, it could get a little scary. But it's okay. Mine might, girl. Mine might be revoked. I don't care. I I take it back. I can find another one. There so, you go. The one thing I always liked about um that movie, she always asked, "When did you fall in love with hip hop?" Oh yeah. But I want to know, like, what is your favorite thing about being a black woman oh wow what a question that's a beautiful question actually my favorite thing about being a black woman actually I think it's just our uniqueness Mm. no one else looks like us and Mm -hmm. I obviously you know there's differences and races and stuff like that and like you know you could go and talk to a white person and talk to like I don't know somebody else who's like Latina and like they're different but I just look at us and I think my god no one looks like us like the hair just mm-hmm. the way we're able to like carry ourselves, our clothes, the way we're able to wear the colors, just the way we move through the world. Mm. No one looks like us. Nobody. Yes. And I feel like to whom much is given, much is expected, of course, because, you know, I have to wash my hair this weekend. I'm just like, OK, here we go. But <laughs> it's like amazing to me that like I can always straighten my hair, but your hair will never do this. <laughs> not gonna happen i know it's like an exclusive club that you can't have and i'm like i'm like i love the versatility of being a black woman too like i feel like we are so versatile and we're definitely trendsetters but like when it comes to black hair i just love like us now embracing the natural but mm-hmm. also embracing, like, I still want to have straight hair and blonde hair and blue yeah, hair. Yeah, I might hair. do a weave. Right. I might do something else. Like, I just hung out with my friend, and her hair is, like, pink and, like, green on the end. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, do oh. it. Like, I I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. I think we can – I think we get to have a lot of fun. Yes. And I love the fact that we – 
like we do have that fun, right? Because everybody else kind of looks at us and they they can't do it. Yes. They just cannot <laughs> do it how mm-hmm. we can. Like I can walk out tomorrow and have a whole other look. Yeah. And like no one else can do that the way that we can. You just can't. You just and can't. So I, I love that about us. I think it's just beautiful. Uh, well, I think that's a great place to stop for today. And just thank you so much, Amber, for being thank my you. second guest. And just, I thought, I think this was an awesome conversation about jobs, travel, spirituality. And I just look forward to just talking to you more and just like vibing because I feel you. I want good vibes. I want good vibes yeah, only. I and I'm, it. I'm so excited about you going off and going back to New York. And I'm definitely for real, like I will come up there. And yes, you. please do. I would love for like, <laughs> Everyone, we should all have like a big group trip to New York where, you know, I yes. think that would be really cool. Yes. And, and have a lot of fun. And show me the world because I've never like been there as an adult. So I'm really excited. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Without I think kids. you will love it. I think so, too. I might be like, can I come and live here, too? <laughs> you might. I feel like it has an effect on people. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to my listeners for tuning in. And as always, I love you. And thank you for tuning in to Cosines and Tangents. And bye bye.